Hey, Hannah. Hey, Kate. How's it going? You know, pretty good. Feeling good about finishing neuro. Happy yeah. to have that done. Um, but yeah, it's just a nice laid back Saturday. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. Same. Thankful that neuro is one block done. One block done. Yeah. A lot of, we learned a lot. We did. Yeah. My brain was learning about itself. Yes. A little meta. Yeah, a little meta there. <laughs> what kind of drink you have today? Today, I have been going to my, um, kind of my go-to drink, my typical drink of the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of back on the coffee kick. Uh, I have really been loving just either just regular coffee or like an espresso with, take some milk, put a little vanilla in there, like just a couple, just a couple little drops, mm. sprinkle a little cinnamon on that, and then just like a little dribble of maple syrup. And you heat that up, whip it up, pour it on top of your coffee. It is excellent. That sounds so good. It is excellent. I think I've had it every day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it sounds uh, yeah. good enough to have every day. And uh, what do you have, Kate? Um, well, I have little mushroom coffee. Mm, um, classic. Yeah, so non-psychoactive mushrooms, but they're still stimulating. It has a little bit of, like, coffee extract in it, mm-hmm. and I just mixed that with some hot water, and then I did some warmed milk and a little maple syrup today. Mm, sounds so. cozy and delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> okay, ready to get into it? Yep. Howdy, Howdy from Houston. Houston! I'm Kate. And I'm Hannah. And today, we're going to be talking about our favorite things slash what we thought were some really cool things we learned in our neuroblock yeah. in the last six weeks. Yeah, it was a really fascinating six weeks. Yeah. I, I love that we did neuro as our first organ block. You know, like I, I think it was a really exciting and interesting thing to do following our kind of like our pre-med courses in a way. You know, like over the summer and the fall we did anatomy and some foundation courses. And now we're getting into the specifics. And so this is our first specific block. Um, and the fact that it was on neuro, it was just like, I personally think that's one of the most interesting and fascinating blocks. So it was just like an exciting kickstart. Yeah, I agree. And like, there's so much that goes on in the brain that we know about. And there's a lot that we still don't know about. So it was really cool to just like, learn how everything works. Yeah, it was it was a lot in six weeks, I will say. Um, and there's definitely more <laughs> that we didn't even get into. And that that's like, I guess that is a piece that is a little shocking to me that we don't, until we go to clinicals, like this is it for what we're going to learn about neuro. Yeah, that, that's crazy to me too, because I feel like I definitely studied a lot and I learned a lot, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know everything and I want to know a lot more yeah. so I can sound intelligent while I'm <laughs> rotating. <laughs> I, I feel like this is where a lot of med students talk about imposter, syn- imposter syndrome kind uh, of starting to set in. Yeah. You know, where I you're like, shoot, like, this is all I know. Like, I'm not ready to be a doctor. It's like, of course you're not ready to be a doctor. You're a first year med student, you know. But just knowing that we're not going to have another neuro block. Like, we're not doing neurology too. Like, yeah. it's just... Go to clinicals, figure it out, and learn. Which I think is one of the best ways to learn. Is, I agree. You know, on your feet and experiencing the world, but yeah, still, it's just and a it's more shocking. fun to learn that way. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Yeah. A lot more fun. Yeah, but yes, it is a little a little shocking that that was that was neuro. That was it. And on until to... until we get to <laughs> clinicals, like, <laughs> and to me also another thing that seems kind of crazy is. Med school seems so long. Like, four years Mm -hmm. is a long time to do after undergrad. Yeah. But 
I keep thinking about it and I'm like, it's really not that long because you have a year, a, about a year and a half in the classroom mm-hmm. and then you have the, re- the rest of your time in the hospital rotating with different yeah. doctors and, you know, and then how, how do you know what you want to do if you don't know what you want to do and if you're interested in everything? Yeah. And just the way that things are broken down too, structure wise, like we just did six weeks of neuro, six week is, six weeks is not a lot of time. Yeah. You know? And so knowing that we have to do each system of the body in, you know, six to eight weeks, something like that. Like that chunk of time seems really short. It's just that we have a bunch of those to get through that adds up all the time of med school, you know? Yeah. So in, I think it's something that's going to go by really quickly, even I though think it is so four years. I mean, it's already felt really fast. Yeah. Like neuro is already done. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, so. So, Kate, what was the most interesting, fascinating thing that you learned in neuro well so I will my most interesting things I thought were with the eyes Mm -hmm. when I was reviewing for our final yesterday I definitely spent a lot of time reviewing the eyes Mm -hmm. just because I was like whoa that's so cool I just want to make sure I know Mm -hmm. all the details about it but so your eyes are like it's really cool because just by looking side to side and when the doc- if you ever go to the doctor and they've tested your eyes and they have you follow their finger to the left and then follow their finger to the right, mm-hmm. you can tell a lot about what's going on in the person's brain just by yeah. is, that, is that working right or mm-hmm. is that working kind of right or not <laughs> tell, right like, at all. You can tell where in the brain like, yeah. there's a problem. Yeah, exactly. And you can identify potentially like the exact nerve that might Mm -hmm. be having a problem or like maybe there's a tumor there and it's pushing on something and that's what's causing the problem yeah so I thought that was really cool and specifically with your looking side to side that's called your horizontal gaze center or horizontal horizontal side to side yeah so so when that goes wrong palsy is like an anomaly so Mm -hmm. horizontal gaze palsy is unable to look to one side basically So, with the horizontal gaze, something I found really interesting is how your eyes are set up to move together. Mm -hmm. Like, when you look to the side, it's not like one eye is moving and then the other eye maybe follows at some point. Mm -hmm. No, they're very coordinated. Yeah. Pretty much exactly. And it's really cool how that works when you look at the anatomy behind it because you have one nerve. So, if you're just looking at the muscles that move your eyes side to side, left and right, Mm -hmm. You have one nerve that goes to the muscle on the outside of your eye, uh, each eye. So both sides you have, each eye has a nerve for that. But then the nerve that goes to the muscle on the inside of your eye and tells your eye to look inward. Inward, Mm -hmm. right. Um, That's a different nerve. So So, the outside pulls the eyes outward, the inside pulls the eyes inward. Exactly. And usually when you look, for example, to the left, the left nerve that tells your eye to the left eye to look to the left will be on if that makes sense right so the left eye outside muscle pulls the left eye to the outside yes and for your eyes to move together your right eye then has to look to the inside exactly yeah Yeah. so So, left eye looks out right eye looks in but they're both looking left exactly yeah so Thank you for helping me with that. Simple concept, but... It's a lot easier to understand with a picture. It is. Yeah, or a, a video. See uh, show notes at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll link some pictures and maybe a video or something. 
but so in order so those have to work together so if you have for example the nerve on going to the outside of your left eye okay outside of your left eye so moving left eye to look left look left if that nerve is cut or is damaged in any way Mm -hmm. then your left eye can't look left so makes sense yeah so when the physician has their finger in front of your nose and is telling you to look left your eye will just stay straight and because the other eye is looking left or is trying to look left your right eye is also trying to look left Mm -hmm. your brain is going to be super confused because your left eye isn't looking left Mm -hmm. so your right eye will look left but because your brain is confused there's going to be some like rapid beating motion over to the right because your brain is like we're not supposed to be moving this yeah. direction because we're supposed to be together and we're not together. <laughs> it's all about teamwork and we're not working together right now. So yeah. we're just going to look straight. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, it's just a catastrophe Yeah, for for all those little nerves yeah. going around little your eyeballs. They're, just, <laughs> yeah. they're a little confused. They don't yeah. know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and in how, you know, if you, then maybe if you cut the nerve that goes to the inside of your eye. Mm-hmm. To then look inward. To look inward. So if you're looking to the left, your right eye can't move to the left, but your left eye still looks to the left. And then there, and because again, your eyes aren't moving together, there's that beating, it's called nystagmus, mm-hmm. to the right because your brain is like, nope, we are supposed to be looking together and we're not. So we're supposed to actually be looking straight, but you want to look left and you can't. And yeah. you're just, so, again. so the, the middle nerve would be like, you're looking to the left. You're trying to look left. Your right eye can't look left. So instead it's just looking straight. straight. So then the left eye, it's like, we gotta be moving together and you're not coming with me, right eye. So it like keeps jerking back to the, to right. the right. To be like, yeah. come on, right eye, let's go. Let's look to the left. <laughs> yeah. Come on, go on, you can do it. You can come do on, it. Come on, come on, come <laughs> on. But it can't because there's damage to there's that damage. nerve. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of different, um, like, anomalies that can happen depending on which nerve is damaged. Yeah. And, you know, different, like, tumors or maybe a stroke could cause this or, mm-hmm. um, like, you could even just have, um, like, any... Pressure anything, in your brain. Pressure yeah. in your brain. Yeah. So anything that's going on with that could damage your ability just to, like, look left and right, which is really interesting how you can have a little window of what's going on in the brain mm-hmm. from looking left and right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing I thought was really cool is your, it's called the pupillary light reflex. Okay. So if you, I don't know if any of you have noticed, if you've looked this closely at your eyes, or maybe you do know this, but when you're in a lit environment, your eyes are, your pupils are smaller. Mm-hmm. So because it's so much, there's so much light, you don't need to take in as much light. Right, because your pupils be are what take in the light. Right, right. Yeah, so. your pupils take in the light. So if you're already in a well lit environment, like it's like okay, plenty of light. We don't need to. We don't need all of this light. Mm-hmm. But Should when you're in a yeah, and that's why when it's really sunny, mm-hmm. you might need sunglasses because right, it's your just like can only get so, so much. Yeah, <laughs> so much light. Um, and so when it's really dark opposite your pupils kind of get bigger so that you can take in more light where's the light please come to my eyes exactly yeah Yeah, we want to see (laughs) so um there's a lot of so that's another reflex that you have just like you know when you tap your knee some some people might know about this reflex you tap your knee Mm -hmm. and your knee jerks a little bit so Mm kind of like that but in your eyes um so very automated yeah automatic you don't have to think about it which Mm -hmm. is nice that your body just yeah i would hate to have to think about 
All right, people, <laughs> time to dilate. Get bigger, please. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> or dilate to this exact amount because you need this amount yeah. of light. Oh, that's too much. Yeah. Okay, let's, oh, oh, I turned on a lamp. It's a little bit brighter now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's really nice to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one defect that can come with that that I thought was really interesting is called the Marcus Gun Pupil, mm-hmm. which is when you have the nerve that senses the light in one of your eyes, Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with that. And that can have a bunch of different causes of damage with that. But Mm -hmm. um, so when you shine a light into the healthy eye, Mm -hmm. both eyes will constrict because your pupillary light reflex goes to both sides. So Mm -hmm. if you shine a light in one eye, both eyes should constrict. That's for that teamwork thing. Exactly. Eyes just want to work together. Yeah, they should constrict the exact same amount at the same time, um, and that should all be, again, a teamwork thing. Yeah. So you shine a light, for example, my right eye, let's say, is affected. Mm-hmm. So in my unaffected left eye, the doctor shines a light in, and both eyes constrict. But then you move the light over to the right, and neither eye. Neither eye constricts. Actually, if you test this in a dark room, they'll both like widen. Yeah. Because they just won't sense any light coming in, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. And maybe I was thinking about this. Maybe this is more interesting having seen the pupillary light reflex. So yeah, I was going to say that. Right. So this could be like even a fun, don't like damage your eyeballs. Damage your eyeballs <laughs> or your friend's eyeballs by shining a light in it too long. But if you just like. From, an, from the side, come at an oblique angle, you know, come to yeah. the side of the eyeball. Don't shine a laser directly into your eye. Right. But if you have like a soft light and you're in kind of a dim room, you can like shine like a, a, a softer light mm-hmm. into maybe your eye, a friend's eye mm-hmm. and see how the pupils constrict at the exact same time yeah. and then you move it away and then they get bigger. Yeah. And then you can go to the other eye and the exact same thing will happen. But in this case, that only happens in one eye and right. in the other Marcus eye. Gunn. Yeah, Marcus Gunn pupil, they say the same. Yeah. So I, I found Marcus Gunn to be really interesting too because like just learning about how the sensory part of your eye is related to the motor part of your eye. So how the information about the sensory, the light that is coming in what your body wants to do with that information. It's like, okay, we've gotten some light. Now what are we going to do with it? Let's talk to the motor people. Yeah. Like, okay, time to make our eyeballs smaller, you know, or yeah. like, like constrict our, our irises so you can see better, you know, get the light in there too much, constrict the pupil. Right, you know? yeah, and all that happens within like a split second. It's incredible. Yeah, and like looking to the left and to the right, all that coordination happens in a split second too because there's – you know, you take in the information and yeah. your, your brain says, okay, I want to look left. And then, you know, you go to all the little centers in your brain that say, okay, can we move left? Can, is this going to work? And how can we coordinate this together? And okay, we're yeah. going to look left. Final, <laughs> final destination. Eyes looking. <laughs> yeah. And if you just think about like, I'm just going to look left. Like, yeah. <laughs> or, or I don't even really think about looking left. Yeah. I just, <laughs> just do it. You I know? know. Yeah. Like just how much of our body is so coordinated and so in sync and we don't, there's so much that we do not think about. Yeah. That our body that just, just does. does. Yeah. It's pretty It's amazing. so cool. So that's why, I mean, another thing. Thank you, body, for taking care of this yes, for me. I am very thankful for the automated systems. Yeah. That I don't yeah. have to think about. Like I'm just I'm just so thankful that I don't have to think about my breathing, think about, mm-hmm. you know, my blood pressure. Heart think rate. Think about heart rate. Think about how much saliva I need to produce when I'm eating food. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. Like, 
Yeah. Just everything. Or think about like digesting the food I ate. Like you yeah. can just enjoy the food. And then your body's like, we got it. We'll just we'll just take care of the yeah. rest. Basically, know? like the only stuff you have to think about is like party mode. It's just like all the things about life that I want to enjoy. Like that's yeah. the stuff I think about. And everything else that's like the hard work, like the office job, your body just takes care of it. Yeah. You know? All the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's pretty Your body cool. makes the money and your conscious mind spends the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I, to kind of summarize, I just thought the um, eyes part, the ophthalmology part of neuro was mm-hmm. really interesting because I've worn glasses since I was four years old because yeah. I have double vision. So when I was four and I started to get really tired, one eye would look forward and my mom would notice the other eye just just starting to drift inward. <laughs> that is like, wild. That is not normal for a human. So let's go <laughs> get that checked out. Yeah. My first pair of glasses were like very round. They were called my Harry Potter glasses. Mm, I didn't know cute. what Harry Potter was at the time, but mm. they were my Harry Potter glasses. What a cutie. Yeah. <laughs> and so, now you've got it. You've got it figured out. You've got a system. You've got your contacts. Exactly. You your yeah. Yeah. So come a long way in the last... Yeah. 21 years. Yeah. (laughs) I also love that, like, whenever we're learning new things in school, when it explains something that we've experienced before. Yeah. You're like, oh, now I understand why, you know, fill in the blank, you know, for you, why my eye would drift inward like that when I was four, you know? Yeah. So just understanding the personal experiences that we've had with our bodies and with medicine and just being able to know the background behind it. It's really fun. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Um, So, Hannah, moving on, what did you find really interesting? Well, neuro in general is just fascinating. Like, I I feel like every part of the body is interesting, but the brain, there's just still so much to learn about it Mm -hmm. um, that I feel like we barely even scratched the surface, it seems like, you know, it's just Yeah, I feel like I still know very little. Yeah. (laughs) And I, but I feel like I also know a lot. Like, I feel like I learned so much, but that it's like just a drop in the ocean. You know, there's so much to learn. Well, especially listening to some like YouTube videos and like, wait, we didn't learn, we didn't learn that. Yeah. Like, I, what? It's like, wait a second. (laughs) They told us we didn't need to know that right now. It's like, okay, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that we don't need to know that little, you know, tract in the spinal cord, but yeah. I still don't know it. The point is that I don't know that information yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, two things I had. The first one was just um, our first time looking at a brain, mm. which was technically in anatomy. Yeah. Um, but this time around, we did have wet lab where we specifically looked at slices of brains. Um, so they were already dissected and cut for us. We weren't doing any actual dissection, but just looking at real brains. Yeah. It was (laughs) really cool. Yeah. Very cool experience. Yeah. And looking so up close at the same time that you're learning about all the function of the brain, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Like all of this is happening in this white mushy thing. That has a little electricity. Yeah. In it. (laughs) It's I feel like when we were in anatomy and doing other dissections, there were other parts of the body where like, yeah, I can see how this is a really complex system. You know, you see all the vasculature and you see the striations and you see all these little things. You're like, yeah, this looks complicated. Like Mm -hmm. it looks like it does a lot of stuff, you know, (laughs) but the brain doesn't really look like that to me. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like 
it looks really simple. I think it does too because it's so it's, dense. It's so dense and like all the it just like looks like so when you know a classic picture of a brain is just all the little like grooves and yeah. things like that on the outside and every part of that has a different function and then you kind of go underneath that to it's called your brain stem mm-hmm. and all of that is just like there's some bumps and you know some like some fibers little yeah. yeah fibers <laughs> going in some different directions there's a little fluid in there and you wouldn't guess that like that if you so as a neurosurgeon mm-hmm. if you poke that you I don't know. Yeah. That could be like... A lot of problems. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't know what would happen, but like if you accidentally touch that with like one of your tools, like that could could be the end of the patient's life or... Yeah. Yeah. Just... I don't know. (laughs) The fact that like it looks like that and it is controlling your entire body. Yeah. And conscious mind. And unconscious mind. And unconscious mind. Like everything about who you are as a person. Yeah. It's like right there. It's literally right there. And it's like two colors. Yeah. It's like... This kind of tan color and then like a darker tan color. Yeah. At least for, the, for what we were looking <laughs> Light at. Light tan and dark tan. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, so yeah. So that was, I think, first of all, the most interesting thing about neuro is just looking at the actual organ and being like, wow, this is what is like in control. Yeah. The control center the control of the human. <laughs> right. So um, on top of that, we... In addition to, like, all of the neuro stuff that we were learning, like, all of the anatomy and things, we were also learning a lot about psychology and some of the other things. And I feel like a lot of that related to um, the cortex. Mm, so yeah. the cortex, learning about that was the most, I think, the most interesting unit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cerebral cortex, it's kind of that, like, outer layer of your brain. Um, kind of just all the stuff on the outside. So the wiggly stuff and, like, the, your classic picture of a brain. What you can kind of see, that's the cortex everything else is on the inside and that's not necessarily cortex um so it does a lot of like higher processing stuff like memory uh problem solving um let's see reasoning emotions like that kind of stuff so that's what's going on in your cortex mm-hmm. and your brain just to kind of give you an image here picture the classic cartoon drawing of a brain uh it's divided into sections like different lobes um, you've got your frontal lobe, which is exactly where it sounds like. It's in the front. Um, you've got your parietal lobe, which is kind of on the top and kind of in the back a little bit. Um, you've got your occipital lobe, which is lower than your parietal lobe, so kind of the back of your head, kind of the, the downward curvature of the back of your head. Um, and then you've got your temporal lobe, which is on the side. So when you think of like where your temples are and kind of like by your ears, it's your temporal lobe. Um, so each of those lobes we're learning, you know, does a different cerebral cortex function. So a different higher level processing function. So frontal lobe doing more motor, cognitive stuff, decision-making, social behavior, that's all going on in the front. Um, that's why they talk about, this is something that Dr. Day mentioned, uh, oh, the, yeah. like teenagers, like <laughs> your frontal lobe not fully developing until what, 25? Yeah. yeah. So that's why it seems like teenagers uh, are really bad at making decisions and are kind of impulsive. <laughs> yeah. Because your, your frontal lobe, mm-hmm. which is in charge of that, literally isn't fully developed yet. So, so no consequences, you know? Yeah. So. We've all been there. We've all like, I, when she said that, I was like, oh, that yeah. explains a lot of things. It does. I'm like, yeah, I, I was there once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Officially, though, I'm past 25, so Same. I don't have well, an excuse I am anymore. 25. Yeah. <laughs> no more poor decisions, I guess. I guess. Yeah, well, I guess we have to make <laughs> Can't blame it on my brain. Yeah. Um, your, so that's your frontal lobe. Your parietal lobe, so again, that's kind of in the top, kind of in the back. Um, that's your somatosensory. So somatosensory, that's your conscious perception of touch and temperature and pressure, like that kind of stuff. So it's how you perceive that. Mm-hmm. It's different than actual sensation it's the it's the perception of the of the sensation you know uh, and we'll get into that a little bit uh temporal lobe that's going to be language auditory stuff so listening um a little bit of memory so that's kind of going on your temporal lobes that's on the side and then your occipital lobe all the way in the back is mostly visual processing so when i like when we were first learning about this i remember thinking I guess, well, I guess we learned about it, like, studying for the MCAT a little bit, too. But before I really started learning about medicine, I kind of thought this was, like, a myth. Like, <laughs> I remember thinking, like, like, yeah, like, people talk about being left-side dominant or that means you're more creative or so. I don't remember all of it. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of lumped all of that together and was like, mm, everybody's different. The brain's probably just different for everybody. And, <laughs> and then I was learning about, it, like, like, I don't know, a couple years ago, I was studying for the MCAT. I'm like, oh, no, this is real. This is, like, it's actually, actually each part of the brain has a function. And that's uh, revealing a bit of naivety in me. But, <laughs> but you know. Well, it just um, seems so crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I think it's all just... Well, like, I, I, I figured that each part of the brain did have, like, some kind of general function, but I didn't realize, like, now that we're really learning about it, how specific each location is. Mm-hmm. And even within just the general region, there are smaller regions that are associated with little particular things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, think it, I thought it was a combination of, um, you know, real scientific evidence and discovery of, like, oh, yeah, this part of the brain functions this way, and then just, like assumptions that we have made over the years like a lot of psychology is not necessarily clinically or like anatomically proven if that makes sense well yeah I don't know well psychology is... oh yeah but this is neurology right, right right um so like assuming like certain psychiatric or psychological disorders are associated with maybe this part of your brain oh, it's like yeah. we don't necessarily we don't know, know, no, know for sure yeah yeah it's like we're we think and there might be a strong correlation yeah. so yeah. I kind of blended those kinds of things oh, before learning okay, about gotcha, this gotcha, I was like yeah. mm, it's probably just like an estimate who really is <laughs> <laughs> you know but I was kind of the same way to be yeah. honest yeah yeah but once we started learning about how damage to certain parts of your brain specifically in the cortex shows up in your personality in your speech in your auditory processing like how it in the same spot in generally the same spot in all people it's like if you damage here this is going to happen you're going to have this symptom yeah um it's like oh wow it is so specific and very particular um so the one um just like real quick something that also i thought was interesting is how because since like you know i i always thought oh we're each our own snowflake i also Mm -hmm. kind of thought along the same lines of like well, how similar can our brains really be if we're all such different yeah. individuals, you know? Um, and so I was like, when I was learning about like one particular artery in your brain is mm-hmm. very common to get blocked. I was like, that that's really interesting to me too. Mm-hmm. That like, like just that people have similar arteries that get blocked. Like I thought, I would have thought that like everyone would have had something slightly different just because yeah we're all like our brains are all slightly different you know yeah. and it's just crazy that 
we can all have the like I I'm just like repeatedly blown away by how we can all have the same anatomy. We're mm-hmm. built of the exact same stuff and be such different like yeah. people. Yeah. I will say kind of on that note too. After going through anatomy where we saw um was it seven donors? Yeah, seven. So seven seven different donors plus in, pros, pro section. Yeah, plus pro section. So we saw a lot of variety of what the human body. Well, I mean, some some schools see like fifty different donors. Yeah, you know, so fifty is a lot. You yeah, know? but even among the seven people, there was so much variety in their anatomy, but still like stayed pretty true to the standard. You know, it's like yeah. okay, here's the standard. It's not going to deviate crazy from this, but. You're going to have differences. A few differences. And I, I will say, like, doing the brain prosections, I couldn't really tell a difference. Like, every brain kind of looked the same to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that might be, I don't know, maybe this is just speculation, but it seems like the brain might be an area where there is less variation in anatomy. Well, and again, just speculation, but I wonder if in the brain there's less room for error because mm. if you have one tiny, like, something different like Mm -hmm. if your prefrontal cortex for example the decision making Mm -hmm. part doesn't fully develop and is just slightly smaller than the next person's yeah well your decision making and and a bunch of other um capabilities are going to be severely affected so maybe it's because the brain has to be like that and if you have like maybe like one of the donors i remember had a so it had an extra tube coming from the kidney to where your mm-hmm. body stores urine, so where it filters to where it's stored, mm-hmm. someone had um, an extra tube going down that pathway, mm. which was, you know... An anomaly. Yeah, an, an anomaly. anomaly. Yeah. But, like, something like that doesn't have... Like, you can live with that. Yeah, that's be fine, not And problems. you would never find that unless you did an autopsy, kind of yeah. like we did, but our autopsies were just dissections and very unprofessional. <laughs> but, but, you know, regardless, you wouldn't mm-hmm. find that unless you, like, went in and looked for it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I wonder if there's just no room for differences mm-hmm. in the brain because Mother Nature just made it so, like, okay, no, it has to be like this and this and this, perfect, this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, similarly, if you have a an anomaly somewhere else in your body but it's not causing a problem, you might never know about it. Like, I wonder, yeah. I wonder what parts of our brain can afford to have that kind of margin of error. Well, you know? if any. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because even, like, you know, child development, like, Children's who are children's children <laughs> who grow up and are victims of abuse, mm-hmm. their brain just develops differently than someone who was grew up than someone who grew up in like a more loving household, mm-hmm. had all their needs met, everything like that. You know, just like your environment can affect your brain development, and those people turn out differently as adults too. Yeah, and so, I wonder how much of it. Like, I feel like a lot of it is stuff you can't physically see. You know, mm-hmm. because the brain is so densely packed. Mm-hmm. Like, does the physical appearance of it look different? Yeah. You know? And maybe it does. I don't know. That's that's where, that's really where I'm coming from when I say, like, I feel like we barely scratched the surface on neuro. I, I agree. Yeah. And, and I mean, one way to know is to go get some imaging of your brain. Like, if you got an MRI of your brain mm-hmm. or you did, like, an EEG, which measures the electricity mm-hmm. going through your brain. But, you know, people aren't just going to go do that. Right. So you would never really know if you had, like, a slight difference yeah. or something like that. And which, it seems like a lot of the imaging that we do have is for people who like need the imaging. Like there's, right. there's a problem or a condition that they're trying to figure out. So right. we see more variety. Yeah. Yeah. 
interesting. Yeah. So anyway, quick tangent, but <laughs> but um, it's really cool. But yeah. But yeah. So getting back to the what cortex, you was the cerebral cortex. Yeah. Um, so learning about the different parts of the cortex and how different um, different damages can cause these same symptoms in all in all patients. Um, I was really fascinated by the parietal lobe. So again, parietal lobe is the somatosensory, so that's um, conscious perception of like your environment. Um, so again, it's not it's not um, whether or not you are able to see. It's your whether or not you're able to perceive. So it's not a vision problem, mm-hmm. um, or not. A, it's not related to vision in that way. Um, so okay, as an example, to get into it, um, <laughs> the. <laughs> The condition that I was really interested in was, it's called left-sided hemineglect. Ooh, that's a, that sounds like a, a lot of words. Yeah, complicated words. Left-sided, so left-sided, so the left side of your perception, hemineglect, meaning partial, half, neglect. So um, basically what this means is you will neglect the left field of view. So you can't it's not that you can't see it your eyes are still working your right eye and your left eye are still taking in the sensory information taking in the light your eyes are still dilating and constricting and whatnot but you're just not perceiving that information in your brain so what happens is in your parietal lobe you have these two sections um kind of kind of near the back not quite to your occipital lobe still in your parietal lobe kind of on top um and your brain is, you know, it's kind of a mirror image of itself, right? So you have one section on one side of your brain, one section on one side of your brain, and one section on the other side of your brain. And they, they do, like, that, that same spot, that mirror image spot, they either do very similar functions or they're very closely related or uh, maybe they do the same thing, you know. Um, so they're working together. Mm-hmm. So your left side, this little section of your brain kind of up at the top near the back, on the left side perceives information on the right side of your body. So right, left side of your brain, right side of your body. Okay, so it kind of crosses. Yeah, that, we call that contralateral. Okay. So contra opposite lateral to the side. You know? Okay. Yes. So the left side of your brain sees the right side or perceives the right side of your body. Okay. Um, in this particular part of your the brain. right visual field. The right visual field. Yeah. So everything to your right. So your right arm, if you had a cup sitting on the table to the right, the window on the right side, whatever. Like that's what you're perceiving in your the left side of your brain. Now the right side of this part of your brain perceives both the right side and the left side. Oh, So your right side yeah. is bilateral. So okay. both sides. So the right side of your brain, so this is again that posterior parietal lobe, that back part, the right side's going to see both. So it's going to see or perceive everything that you're seeing on the right and perceive everything that you're seeing on the left. So if you're following, that means everything that you're perceiving on the left side of your field of view is only being processed on the right side of your brain. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting when I learned about that too. Yeah. How the left side doesn't also do both. Process both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really know why. Yeah. We didn't really get into that. Hmm. But so the left side perceives the right side. The right side perceives the left and the right side. Okay. So what that means is if you were to have damage to, let's say, the left side of your brain, you might not have any symptoms show right because if you damage well, any of side, those symptoms any of those you might symptoms. Have other symptoms right you but could, you might not have this symptom. definitely have some other problems but <laughs> this particular symptom if you damage the left side your right side is still working and your right side can perceive like we said the right and the left so you're still perceiving both sides 
both fields of view. Mm -hmm. But if you were to damage the right side, you would lose input of the left side and the right side going to your right side of your brain, but your left side would still pick up the right side of your, of your field of view. Mm -hmm. So the, the right field of view is still intact. It's still being perceived. But because the right side is the only side that perceives your left field of view, you take that out. Like you can't perceive the left side yeah, of your field of view. Which is really crazy because technically you can still see it. Like your yeah. vision is still working. The images, like, yeah, the, but the you're information just not, is still coming like, in. Processing that as existing. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the left side of you. It's like sending emails to the right side of your brain, and the right side of your brain is like, I'm on vacation. Delete, 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 delete. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> even though it's like, hi, we need you. It's like, hello, hello. This is urgent. <laughs> urgent in the subject line. You know, action required. <laughs> but right side of your brain says, if it's damaged, says delete, delete, delete. Yeah, it says, I am on vacation. <laughs> Do not talk to me. So, <laughs> so because you aren't perceiving that left side, you just ignore everything over there. And not even it's not even that you're ignoring it. It's that you don't even know that it exists. And on top of that, you don't you don't know that you have a problem. Yeah. That's like the, the craziest thing to me. It's like you will deny that there's an issue. You're like, no, like I I don't have a problem seeing the left side of like my vision. Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And it's like, and it shows up in a lot of different um, ways or a lot of like different ways you can demonstrate that they have this issue. Um, So they do a lot of tests like in clinic to see like what you can do. One of these is they ask you to draw a clock. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you draw like like an analog clock, none of this digital nonsense, right? So so ask you to draw a clock. So a lot of times they will be able to draw a circle. They'll be able to draw a full circle. But then when they're writing the numbers 1 through 12, instead of writing them in their proper spots on the clock, they'll write all of 1 through 12 on just the right half of the clock. So the top of the clock will say like... Like the one will be like where the one normally is, but then they'll write small, like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And the 12 will end up like where the six normally is. Yeah. And the whole left half of the clock is just blank. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's wild. Yeah. And, and then the like other things that they might not be able to do is like, um, like they might not even acknowledge their left side of their body, like their own body that they can perceive information with, you know, they can pick up a cup with their left arm, but if they can't see that they're picking up the cup, with their left arm, like, they're not going to perceive that they're doing that. Does that make yeah. sense? You know? Well, if they, if they don't perceive that, they're probably going to ignore it or, like, yeah. just not really pay attention, like, yeah. to the left side. I was reading a little more about this when we were first learning about it, and there were some, you know, clinical, like, case studies on this, and just people would follow a direction. You know, they'd give a command to pick up, a, pick up something with their left hand, and they'd pick it up. And then they would have to, like, turn their head totally to the left to be able to see it with their right field of view. And they would surprise themselves. They'd be, like, shocked. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm holding something, you know? Oh, like, my gosh. Just the, That's the, crazy. Their reaction to it was just so fascinating. Um, and the one thing that I also thought was really cool was, or just really interesting about this, was if they were eating off of a plate of food, mm-hmm. they would only eat the right half of the plate. Yeah. And then they'd have to, like, somebody would have to, like, come in. Like, they wouldn't do it themselves. Somebody else would be like, hey, let's turn your plate and eat the other half. So That's you can crazy, too. Wow. Yeah. So just really, a really fascinating part of the brain um, that, you know, again, I don't understand why only the right side is connected to both sides and the left side isn't connected to both sides. I think it probably has something to do with dominance. Um, 
Yeah, maybe. We really talk about that. But usually most people are left-sided, dominant um, and with your their brain. Right-handed. And then, right-handed, yeah. yeah. And that's a whole other rabbit hole. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, just super interesting that you can figure out, just in general with neurology, yeah. um, like whether it's with the eyes or with other symptoms of the brain or the cortex or whatever, that just little tests that you can do however like what the answer is or what the what the patient demonstrates with those little exams in clinic or wherever can tell you exactly where there is going to be damage yeah is so interesting like you don't necessarily i mean it's great you do what you do want to get imaging and you want to like actually look at where it is but the fact that you can just have somebody come into clinic shine a little light into their eyes and be like oh your problem is in the optic chiasm like yeah i know that yeah. <laughs> you know it's just i just think that is the coolest thing how we're able to figure out what is going on in our brain by physical presentation on the outside without having to make a single cut i think it just goes back to the do no harm you know and agreed just, you don't need to be slicing into people to figure things out. Yeah. Well, and another thing is that we've been told in some of our classes is that you should be able to know exactly what's going on with your patient mm-hmm. just by how they're presenting with their symptoms and the history that they give mm-hmm. and anything else you need to do, any imaging, any lab work, yeah. um, like looking at what's in your blood, things like that. Mm-hmm. That should just confirm what you already were thinking, which yeah. I thought was really cool too. Like you don't, you know, you definitely want to confirm so that when you can definitely, like, be sure about giving the right medication right, and treatment, right. but just to know by looking at someone and hearing a little bit about their story, yeah, like, that's really cool. Yeah, the number of doctors that we've had who were, you know, guest speakers or doing a presentation that have said, like, the exact line of, you should know exactly what is wrong with your patient just by listening to them. Mm-hmm. Like, we have heard that so many times. Yeah. Like, your patient will tell you what's wrong with them if you just listen. Yeah. And, actually, one of our faculty who's a neurologist, she's so funny. She's, yeah. like, she's like I love watching people walk because I just, like, <laughs> I can just tell so many people have, like, different, like, neurological disorders. Mm-hmm. So, like, she she was telling us about how she was in, I think, in New York or something. Yeah, and saw a guy. And she just saw a guy walking, and she was like, oh, my God, he has this disease. I wonder if he even knows because it's so, um, like, it's it's – you a can little compensate. bit more, right? You can compensate. Yeah. It's a little more minor um, for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But she was like, "Look at the way his feet are moving, and mm-hmm. and the way he's kind of walking a little bit like side to side, yeah, and a like, little street side diagnosis." Yeah, and she was like, <laughs> "And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy." <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited to be at that point in medicine, like down the line. Me too. Where I'm just looking at someone, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Where you can just you just it's more innate. You don't have to think about it. So I'm not like, oh what what onky card was that that <laughs> talked about that symptom, you know? Uh yeah, yeah. I'm excited for it to be more natural. But that's you know, comes with time and comes with hard work. So mm-hmm. feels like I don't know, it feels more and more real every time we hit like a new milestone. Mm-hmm. So, or like finish a unit or yeah. Yeah, things like that. So, yeah. But that was some interesting things we learned about neuro yeah. that we just wanted to share. Yeah, maybe we'll come back on when we finish um, infectious disease. Yeah, our next Our next unit. block and talk about the coolest thing we learned there, which I feel like we're going to have a hard time picking our favorite thing from that block. Cause maybe we'll have to do, like, we'll an intermediary coolest thing we learned and then, and and then the coolest thing. Yeah, because yeah. that one's going to be pretty fascinating, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Med school's great. We love learning new things. It is. <laughs> it is. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, there you have it. And um, 
if you want to send us an email, you can email us mm-hmm. at howdyfromhouston at gmail.com. Howdy from Houston podcast. Sorry, howdyfromhoustonpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It's all one word. And we would love to hear from you. Any feedback, what you liked, yeah. what you think we could do better. Yeah. Or if there's any topics you want to hear our thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Too. And we'll put a few links in the show notes to some pictures, maybe a couple of videos of what we talked about today. Yeah, to so you some. can see it and so you can have a little context for yeah. what we're talking about. And really appreciate what these symptoms look like. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, All yeah. right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Catch see you, you next time. time.